It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 14th, 2020. My name is Phil Frost from Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll have part two of my conversation with Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports and NBC Sports as we discuss this year's Orlando Magic team, kind of where they were sitting at when the league went on hiatus, and what lies ahead of them in free agency. Can't have, can't have Keith Smith, our, our resident salary cap expert, without talking a little bit about the offseason. So we'll talk about all things about this year's Orlando Magic team and kind of give a good evaluation of where we left the season off and where the Magic were at this season and, and what their future looks like, of course, too. Before we do any of that, though, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts for on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on, say, the Boston Celtics or the Chicago Bulls? Check out Locked On Celtics or Locked On Bulls. There's one for every single team in the NBA, just like that one. Plus, you can check out great podcasts on the MLB, NFL, college, and NHL, too. Even through all the hiatuses, all of our podcasts are still going strong with at least an episode every three times a week. So uh, virtually an episode every other day. NFL podcasts are still going daily. So you can still get your sports fix here, even while most of the sports are on hiatus. Download these podcasts wherever you download podcasts today. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Before we dive into our conversation with Keith Smith, uh, or the second part of our conversation with Keith Smith, uh, I did want to kind of reset something. Um, you know, I, I do want to try and have some topical news here and and, and kind of keep everyone up to date on, on what's going on that's of the most immediate importance. Obviously, there's still not a lot going on in the NBA. I detailed yesterday that the NBA had, uh, that according to Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com, the NBA seems to have a sort of 25-day plan to get to ramp back up and that the the league is going to take kind of injuries very seriously and, you know, whenever they decide to come back, that they will make sure that, that players have adequate time to get themselves back into basketball shape because... No matter what, you know, whether you're playing five more games for the playoffs, 10 more games, or the full, you know, 20 or so games, or eight, 15 or so games left before the regular season was supposed to end, you're playing very high intensity games. And the league does not want its players to get hurt. So they're definitely going to take their time and make sure that, that teams have the ability to ramp themselves up toward the regular season or toward the resumption of the season. But there is a secondary issue, and it's an issue that I hinted at on yesterday's podcast as well. 
Here in the state of Florida, we are currently under a statewide stay-home order, essentially closing all non-essential businesses and encouraging uh, residents to stay home as much as possible. You know, don't go outside to, to go to a party. You know, don't go, don't go drive, you know, only really drive to work and to get essential services like food and the like. This is the part where I can clean about my guilty pleasure. I am indeed a wrestling fan. Uh, I spent Monday night watching Raw. I regret that. I was flipping between the, the Magic Rockets replay and Monday Night Raw. Magic Rockets was a lot more entertaining and unpredictable. That, 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 that's kind of a joke. Um, but uh, as some of you may know, since, the, since pretty much the whole sports world shut down, WWE has been producing its shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and WrestleMania, its biggest show of the year, from the perform from the WWE Performance Center in Winter Park, Florida. Just that's uh, the first. It's the biggest suburb, probably outside of Orlando. It's, it's it is essentially Orlando. Um, they've been producing them in an empty stadium. So empty. They, they, they pretty much it's their weight room. It's their training center. They pretty much clear the whole thing out. Put a stage. Put a ring. No fan. No fans. Obviously in attendance. It is literally just the performers. And I will admit. You know, uh, while I do enjoy having the distraction, and it is a piece of entertainment, and, and, and WWE's kind of stated that they decided to keep going with shows because it is entertainment, because they want to serve as the distraction for everyone and to kind of keep everyone's hopes up with just some form of live or at least new entertainment. But I will admit it, 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 it feels a little uncomfortable watching wrestling in, in this day and age. Honestly... I'll be watching old old things, stuff that that was that was filmed, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and see people high fiving, and it makes me cringe a little bit. Um, certainly, something that is more recent that is taped, you know, WrestleMania was pre-taped this year, so it was taped maybe a week or two before uh, it, it aired. Um, watching them like interact, watching essentially watching wrestling, watching watching people who are dressed pretty much with their entire skin exposed tag teaming so they're high-fiving seeing seeing people do that in this day and age it it, it definitely sits uneasy you know if if the NBA if if all the other professional sports leagues are so worried about kind of physical contact a physical proximity why is wrestling any different WWE you know as you know they, they announced that a, a an on-camera performer had contracted COVID-19 but they Assured everyone that that they were isolated away from everyone else, and and they they were not part of the show uh, when they could have infected other people. But there's been a lot of stories. If you do follow the wrestling industry, a lot of stories of wrestlers getting sick, of them saying, "If you don't feel comfortable, don't show up." Uh, Roman Reigns was set to go up against Goldberg. Yes, that Goldberg uh, at WrestleMania. He backed out because because Roman Reigns, the actual person, Peter and Anuai, um, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, is recovering from leukemia and is, of course, immuno, is a, immuno, immunocompromised. Uh, so him being around people, if he were to contract COVID-19, he would, he would be in very serious danger of, of dying. And so he stayed away. He was replaced on the card, and, and, and the WWE kind of kept the show going from there. But to me, while it is entertaining, while I'm thankful for the entertainment, and this goes for their, their, their main competitor, AEW, as well, who's been producing shows out of Jacksonville, which is kind of their home base as well. It's been uncomfortable watching this in some respect. It, it, it's entertainment. It's fun. You know, it, it is a guilty pleasure. But there's always a little bit of me that's just like, this This isn't right. This isn't setting a good example, number one. And it kind of goes against every single thing that the doctors are telling us not to do. It, 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 it's doing everything that doctors are telling us not to do. The performers have take have agreed to the risks. They're they're going on with the show. So, say la vie. But an interesting piece of news did come out, and and I've buried the lead now in six minutes. An interesting piece of news did come out um, at a press conference uh, with or Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings on Monday. A reporter did ask, you know, WWE still plans to produce shows out of their performance center in Orlando. There are people coming in from out of state because wrestlers go home when they're not taping. They're coming in from out of state to, to perform in these shows and then leaving. 
And yes, their contact may be very limited. They, you know, they, 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 WWE may, may be taking all precautions, but it is still the potential for infection. And with only essential businesses open, why is the WWE an essential business? The ethics of whether the WWE should be WWE and AEW it should be putting on shows at this point or taping shows because they're they're not live they're not doing live events they're not touring whether they should be doing this is a debate for another day like I said it feels a little uncomfortable but I and I'm not going to blame the WWE for getting this the the politics and the debate about how the WWE got what they got is certainly one for debate probably not for the show. But Mayor Deming said that in consulting with the governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, they have categorized WWE performances as an essential business. So they have been given permission to break the stay-home order. Again, the politics of that and whether that should be granted or not, I will leave up to you. My opinion is it feels a little weak. I, I, I can't see a reason why the WWE would get that carve out. And I'm, I'd assume AEW would also get that carve out. But the reason why I wanted to bring this up here, the reason why I wanted to discuss this is because I think it is really instructive. And frankly, just let's just be real. Sports does have a lot of political pull. Whether it's getting funding to build stadiums or, or anything else, sports has political pull. Politicians know people like sports. They want to see sports. They, you know, gain a lot of allegiance and tribalism through sports. They're not going to shut down sports. If you're the governor that shuts down sports or you're the one standing in the way of sports, you're going to have a lot of ticked off constituents. Not to mention ticked off millionaires who have a lot of money who could put that money elsewhere. Let's, let, let's, let's be real. Let's, let's, let's just be a little real. And so I think what the lesson here is, and this is just Florida with, you know, certainly a governor who has been very controversial in the last last month as he's handled the, the COVID-19 case. And, you know, certainly dis, certainly Governor DeSantis deserves criticism for being slow to close the beaches. He kept the beaches open during spring break at the height of when everyone was starting to shut things down. And that was, he was very, he was criticized very heavily for that, as frankly, I think he should be. Um, but I don't want to get too much into the politics of it here. I think the lesson though is when sports is ready to come back, when sports are prepared to return to the court, whether or not stay-home orders are lifted, whether or not there are all these other factors involved, when, when the NBA, when the NFL, when the, when the NHL, when MLB say, we're ready to start playing again, we will follow these guidelines, we will not have fans, you know, so on, we will we'll protect players in this way, but we are ready to start playing again. I think Governor DeSantis made it very clear, and I would imagine it's this way in almost every state, that sports will play when they're ready. And the government is not going to stand in their way. The government is not going to wholly stop them. Now, if they wanted to play games in front of fans and have tens of thousands of people and the virus isn't contained, they're going to say no to that. They're going to absolutely 100% say no to that. But in an empty stadium... With the, with the curve being relatively flattened, you know, Orange County reported some good news. They believe that the curve is, is flattening here in Orange County. Um, so definitely some good news on that front here in the state, and uh, in, in, in Orlando especially. But when sports is ready to return, they will get the green light. And there, there probably won't be many political hurdles to clear to get there. The other point I want to make out of this is if I'm Commissioner Adam Silver, I am almost certainly 100% talking to the WWE and, and studying what they've done to protect their athletes. Because again, wrestling is by its nature physical and physical in you're not wearing anything. You're still, you know, you're, st and, and this is honestly something that's been uncomfortable for me too. There's been no change to ring gear. There's been no change to ring attire. Guys are still wearing pretty much just Speedos. So there's a lot of skin exposed, a lot of, you know, again, the exact thing that doctors tell you not to do. But if I'm, if I'm the NBA, if I'm every sports league, I am studying how the WWE has kept their, kept their performers safe and healthy. 
how they have put on their shows without without crowds and without and, 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 and with everything, the cleaning procedures that they've gone through in their training facility in the performance center. I am studying I'm studying and trying to get information on every little thing that they've done. At the very I mean, if there is one thing that, that can come out of that, it is that they are kind of setting the trail of a return to sports and what a return to sports looks like. Now, obviously, WWE is not completely sport. It is scripted. You know, they're, they're, they're worried about camera blocking. They're worried about how things look on TV. And they've gone through their headaches and their missteps. Their early episodes when, when the, they didn't have a crowd, they tried to present it as if they did have a crowd, and it looked terrible. They, they've, they've certainly gotten better at it. But for professional sports leagues, they need to understand what they've done. And so at least in that sense, it'll be instructive for the NBA. But the show must go on. You know, we wait now for, for the NBA world to, to feel comfortable enough to come back. I, I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they'll be there for a while. Um, I think they, I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, WWE has a little bit of carnival sideshow to it. It operates under its own rules, um, and I'm not. I'm not here to say that that they're putting their their athletes and their competitors in danger, their performers in danger. Um, but I don't think I don't. I think the WWE is willing to take risks that the NBA, that the NFL, that the NHL, that college sports, that MLB are not willing to take. But as we are starting to see the curve flatten in several places, including here in Florida, certainly here in Orange County, um, California is reporting that the curve is flattening there. It seems like, you know, the hope is that we are coming toward the, toward the end of this, toward, toward the other side of this. Maybe not the end, but toward the other side. And slowly but cautiously, we'll see the league pick up some steam to make a return. Hopefully, hopefully by Memorial Day, maybe early June. Uh, you know, I think, I think that would be the most optimistic outlook for a return to basketball. But again, as Dr. Fauci said, we are on the virus's timeline. Um, when we can return to normal life is dependent on when the virus disappears. So that's the latest on that front. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll come back with Keith Smith here in just a minute. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, I have a question for you. This season clearly went on hiatus just because Orlando was starting to get rolling, right? Of they course won, it did. Won eight of their last twelve games, six out of their last nine. They were the magic. Were really the magic don't start. That was, I don't think Steve. Down, right? I don't think Steve Clifford teams start really playing until game fifty. Like, like, we, like <laughs> we, we, we spot like every the, the Magic spot everyone <laughs> the first forty nine games, yeah. and, game, and then game fifty right at the All Star break, Steve Clifford's like, okay, we've given yeah, everyone the, their chance. It's 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 our time. It's our time to start winning games. <laughs> You might you might be on something there, yeah, man. They, you know, that there was a it, it really was um you know a bummer. Clearly, they were going to be a playoff team, you know, once again this year, and that's something that I was you know really excited about again. Selfish reasons, I like covering playoff games. They just feel different, and it's a lot of fun. But I don't think anybody here is upset for me uh, rooting for them to make the playoffs for selfish reasons because they want to see their own team in there. And I, you know, I'm not they they weren't going to beat my you know uh, beat Milwaukee or uh, Toronto, depending on who was most likely but i think if they had gotten toronto i think they had a chance to be more it sounds weird to say a lot more competitive because they did win game one last season but i think they could have been competitive and given toronto at least a little bit of a run in this first round just because i think they were really starting to round into something i think they were really figuring out who they were they were starting to get a little bit healthier um you know still isaac was out but it looked like aaron gordon was was finally passed a lot of the uh, ankle and leg injuries he had and was starting to play better so i just kind of curious to see your thought on on if, if you were in the same place or if you were like, oh, they were playing okay, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think it, it took Orlando, I, 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 I think it took Orlando a while to kind of figure out 
who they want or like who they wanted to be or how they wanted to play. Um, I think, you know, you talked about kind of the problem, the disease of more issues with championship level teams. Um, I don't think it was quite that with this Magic team, but I do think, you know, Cliff, Steve Clifford said repeatedly, you know, you can't just, you know, kind of roll everyone back and, and yeah. expect to pick up where you left off. I mean, every season's different. Every season presents new challenges. And so I think that this year's team faced a little bit of that. Um, they didn't have a good training camp. They had a lot, they had a lot of injuries during training camp. I think there was a little bit, not complacency, but the urgency to, to get back to the playoffs and to do a little bit more wasn't quite there. And then they just get hit with all those injuries at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, even in training camp, Nikola Vucevic was nursing a minor injury early in camp. You know, yeah. Aaron Gordon was, was, you know, got popped in the jaw when he was playing really well. It took him a while to get back. Then they have the big injuries in November to Vucevic and to Gordon. You know, Michael Carter-Williams is in and out of the lineup for most of the first quarter and a half of the season. And then for you the get first the part of the year, didn't know what didn't know what you had in Markel Fultz either. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. little, you know, baby steps with him, and then the, kind of the silver lining there was uh, DJ got hurt, and then Fultz really took that job from that point forward and really played. You know, I, I thought really good basketball. I thought he was, you know, well on his way. To, I mean, I think, I think, really I, th- I mean, if you would have told me we would be three quarters of the way through the season and feel like Markel Fultz is undoubtedly a key part of this team's future, I would have been like over the moon excited. Yeah, I was beyond um, um, optimistic on that, and I was I would have been in the same place. Sort of like, yeah, okay. I mean, I I, I figured I figured with faults they would bring him along slowly. You know, I I thought honestly, I thought they'd be managing his minutes. I thought they'd be like I did too. Lo- I thought yeah. they'd be load managing. I was thinking like he's not going to play back to backs. They're just they're just going to be really really cautious with them. I and, thought he was going to be fifteen to twenty minutes a night behind DJ, and that's that's twenty minutes was on the night where he was feeling pretty good and you know yeah. playing well, and that was it. And you know, and I was I think the hope, just the sense I got from the team as well, the hope was maybe by the end of the year you're seeing all right he can be our starter next year for him to be the starter you know really that's what game five on, yeah right is that what, yeah i knew it was pretty early on in the season and then he's been there almost every single game if not every game he's played. i think i think he missed um, only one game and it was because he was sick and it, i mean obviously he yeah got, it had nothing to do it had with nothing to do with the shoulder yep yeah i mean and i really I, I just i i feel like he played pretty good I, i'm looking at a stat line now 47 percent from the field sure he's only 25 percent if, if he were three, but, if he were a rookie yeah, if it weren't like first overall pick Markel Fultz three years yeah. into a yeah, kind of broken good. career, if he yeah. were a rookie, like he's not winning rookie of the year. We're not, I'm not saying he's John no, no, Morant no. or that yeah. kind of level good, but yep. he is, he's proven he can be a solid starter and he's only, I feel like he's only going to get better. He's only what, 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, he's never had a healthy off season. And, you know, I, you know, it, it, it feels very terrible because, you know, he finally gets to go through a full NBA season and then it gets put on pause. So he won't get yeah. to go through an entire 82 game schedule. Yeah. Um, and then, and, then, but I think and then this off season is going to be, you know, even if the NBA starts in December, this off season is not going to be a normal off season for no. any player. And so he's not going to get the full time to develop his skills, which he's again, he's never, you know, we always say the most important summer for one of the most important summers for an NBA player is between their rookie and sophomore year because now they understand what the NBA is all about. They've been through the grind once and they can actually start working on their skills to make their yeah. NBA game better. This yeah. would have been that summer for Markel Fultz. Yeah, and he even talked about that when we met with him preseason where he was you know, just excited to have no shoulder pain and be able to play. And then he mentioned, you know, next summer I can really work on my game for the first time because he wasn't going to be, you know, hopefully he would have stayed healthy all year, but he wasn't going to be coming off some form of um, off-season surgery or recovery from something, he was just going to be able to play again. And I think that is, you know, really, you know, important for him. I think he needed that. Excuse me, I'm having the hiccups here. I'm getting all worked up over Marco Fultz. But, um, we get to you talk know. basketball. It's a good thing. <laughs> That's it, man. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I do, I'm 100% there now where I think it's it's him and Jonathan Isaac are, you know, they're the guys, you know, now going forward. This is a, those are your guys you're building around. But what's interesting to me is I looked at this team as I, I was kind of doing some off-season prep. Then you start to hear a lot about timelines and windows don't match up and all that. In there, there's a little bit of truth to that for their top six guys. I, I'm going to, I identify the top six as Fultz, Isaac, Vooch, Gordon, Fournier. And starting Ross. lineup and Ross. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Because I think DJ at this point, and, I and, love and DJ, Bomba but, probably you know, sneaking in and, there too. And Bomba's in there somewhere, right. Or around that, that mix, but, but kind of your core six guys who are there all the time. Those are the guys you're really going into it with. 
is there a difference in there? Yeah, there's a difference of eight years between Fultz and Vooch. You know, Vooch is 29, Fultz 21, or that's their age 29 and 21 seasons this season. But that's not so crazy that you're really like, oh man, we got to move this guy out. We got to get all these guys. People love this idea of having a whole bunch of dudes who are the exact same age. That never happens. You need a mix. You need a because, mix. Exactly, because here's what happens. You need veterans. Like, it, if this Magic team is missing something, Yep. It's they don't have any veterans. Like, that's it. Like, and that, like, and that's, Vooch, like, like yep. they like I, I I'm a I'm a big believer that the reason the '95 Magic became so like transcendentally good was Horace Grant came in and, and injected a, a, mm-hmm. a like a vein of seriousness. Like I I, yep. I I jokingly call it my Horace Grant theory. Like contending oh, yeah, teams right. need a veteran guy that's been yep. there. Like yeah, that's I why mean, you always. Like, see I was going like again like going back to uh, like. Like quick tease, going back and talking about like the 09 Nuggets, Chauncey Billups made that team a championship level team. Like yep. he changed the whole culture of that team midseason. No, like yeah, having, you're absolutely right. Having a guy like having a guy like that matters. And like this Magic team, you know, I, I, I think what's really interesting, and tell me what you think about this this theory or this this kind of thought process with this Magic team. You know, like ESPN came out with their future power rankings. The Magic were 21st and and like the worst of the playoff teams. Um, and, and there's something to it that, you know, they have young guys that haven't quite reached fruition, but they're also still a playoff team that, that seems to be bumping against their ceiling. But I really think like what's interesting about this magic team that's, that's very different than a lot of the rebuilds around the league is they are, if you consider them a playoff team, they're behind, like they're, they're clearly kind of up, up around their ceiling. They, they need to make some changes to the roster if they're serious about kind of taking their next step. Yeah. But if you look at them as a young team, as if this were like year three of Jeff Weltman's rebuild, they are way ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're, you know, they're obviously still very, very young. So it's not like they need to go out and make a big splashy move to, to get them over the top. They don't know what Jonathan Isaac is yet. You know, to some extent, they still don't know what Aaron Gordon is yet. Yep. They don't know what Markel Fultz is yet. They've got enough young guys that they're growing and building that, you know, Philosophically, Jeff Wiltman believe Jeff Wiltman and John Hammond believe making the playoffs is important for player development. It 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 helps it helps young players understand what it takes to win, and that's that's how that's how Wiltman built things in Toronto. That's you know part of what Masai Ujiri did in Toronto with Wiltman as his as his right hand man. You know yep. they would grow guys kind of in the on the back end of the roster, and they would ease into starring roles to the point where you know. Now Pascal Siakam is what Pascal Siakam is. You know Norman Powell is what Norman Powell is. You know Fred VanVleet even is what Fred VanVleet is. Um, they 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 have a very kind of you know kind of structure. You know you you start guys you you start guys at the back end and they grow into bigger roles. And obviously the trick is knowing when they're ready to take on the bigger roles. When they're ready to to you know you know you pull the trigger on you know if if you're deciding between Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, you know I'm, I'm not saying you have to. But you pull the trigger on the Gordon deal when you feel Isaac's ready, and and understanding when that point is is the game is is the trick. But this Magic team is is still so young that I don't think they have to do anything crazy to get to the next step to get to the next stage, um, because they ostensibly they still have time. And yes, it's frustrating that Orlando kind of took a step back this year record wise and is still the seventh seed, but at the same time. They're still they're, they're they're still so young. It's still a learning experience that I think will ultimately make the team better in the end. Yeah, no, I'm 100 percent with you, and I would not rush through anything. My my one thing I would do is if something presented itself, and I love oh, yeah, Aaron yeah. Gordon, I think he's great. But if something presented itself for Gordon, where you could get that big time wing score, because I think that's what they're really missing most um, right now, is Fournier does the best he can in that role, but that's still he's just, miscast. Yeah, right. he should not. I be say your, I say this your... I say this about bad teams all the time. It, for for most bad teams, there are some. But for most bad teams, and I would generally say this about the Magic's teams during this rebuild, it's not that they have bad players. It's that they have players they're asking to do too much. Yep. Fournier as your primary offensive option on the perimeter, that, that that's only going to get yep. you so far. You know, Nikola yep. Vucevic as your best offensive offensive option, yep. that's only going to get you so far. And, and, yeah. and obviously to win at the highest levels, you need the best players. And, you know, I, yeah, I would you- often say... I, I would say Jonathan Isaac is the only guy that does anything on this team at an elite level. Yeah. And that's on defense. Move, that's not on offense. 
Yeah, and that's where I say if you could move Gordon to bring in that guy, but it would have to be Gordon plus because Gordon just doesn't have that kind of value on yeah, his he's own. Not enough. So that's the that's the tricky part. Unless, unless, until would... until his contract's expiring. If he's an expiring yeah, deal, Oh, then yeah, then, then it's a then, different story. You know, like they yeah. got I think I really think the Magic have another year before they really have yep. to figure out the Isaac Gordon question because obviously yep. Isaac becomes restricted free agent in 2021. So yep. you're going to have to pay him. Um Gordon is a Gordon enters free agency in 2022, I want to say. Yep, yep, you're correct. So, yep. yeah, I think you have next year to really figure out if those two can can coexist and, yeah, and, 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 and figure out where Gordon is at. And, and even then, if Gordon, if Gordon hits his star potential, which we've all been begging him to do, he becomes the most tradable asset on the team. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's got a great contract. And I think your hope, really, if you're this Magic team is – I think they're going to look pretty similar. I'm curious to see what happens with Fournier. I'm very hopeful that they don't go crazy um, with a contract for him, but I don't think they would mind having him back because in a lot of ways, they never really got to see what this team could be because Isaac got hurt fairly early on. Uh, Aminu got hurt, was never really the same guy. And then from there was just, they were kind of always kind of cobbling that second forward spot together around Gordon and just kind of figuring out Carter Williams. He'd become really kind of a key guy. And I think a lot of people, you know, kind of forget that he's actually, you know, been good for the Magic and really was playing really a good. nice role. Like, yeah. I think and, and I think I, the Magic let DJ Augustine walk to make sure they resign him. I, I don't I think agree. the Magic can keep both Carter Williams and Augustine this offseason. No, I agree. And I, and I think DJ is probably at this point where he would be content to have a lesser role on a much better team. Um, because the money's going to be roughly the same no matter where he goes um, yeah. next year. But I think what you're really looking at if you're Orlando is by by let's say this point next year. Well, let's let's go a little further. Let's say by next year's trade deadline. I think what you want to have a really good sense on is in that's whenever that trade deadline might be next season. You want to have a really good sense of Mo Bamba going into year four, which would be in 2021, 22. We need to know is he ready. By any time that we would be extending his contract, which would have to happen in the next year, 22-23, you want to know, do we project that he can take over for Vooch and, and be a winning option and all those kind of things? And if you do, then that makes all the rest of your decisions a little bit easier because then it's, all right, if we think he's that good, now we feel, we know Isaac, We as long as he can stay healthy, we know what he can be as a defender, you can always pay for that. And then if Fultz is growing, then it's, you feel a little bit more comfortable. All right, we can extend him or we can do, let him hit free agency and do whatever we need to do there, because that starts to make things a little bit different. It sounds weird to put Mo Bamba as kind of the pivot point, but I think that makes a lot of sense because otherwise, if you don't feel Bomb is your guy there, then that's where I think you start looking to, all right, it's time to move him then because we've still got a couple more years left of Vooch where his game should age pretty well. He should be fine, and, and you get a defensive option to pair with him. Um, in the, well, you have Isaac, to, you have Isaac as a rim protector. Exactly, you have Isaac and, there because you still I mean, have I've, I've been I've been trotting this stat out, and, and I, I love it because I think it's actually a good comparison for Isaac. You know, I, the last the last perimeter player to lead the league in blocks was Andre Kirilenko in 2004, I believe. Mm-hmm. Isaac... Isaac very much plays like Kirilenko did on mm-hmm. defense. And, and you hope, you know, Kirilenko was underrated offensively, not the best offense player, but, you know, Kirilenko was a borderline all-star at his peak. You know, you hope Isaac can kind of get to that level. And, and, if, and if he does, then he is an extremely valuable player. And, and obviously Isaac, like, like I said, only one player on this Magic team does anything at an elite level. And that's Jonathan Isaac as just a perimeter help defender. Yeah, and I think it's no secret to obviously you and I have watched enough games together. You know how giddy I get when Isaac is oh. kind of doing his thing defensively. He might be my favorite player in the entire league. I with the way I he still looks I, I, I love I love Jonathan Isaac to death. He has the <laughs> nicest, most humblest dude in the world. That like part of me wants that guy just to develop a little bit of an ego. Just, just oh yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Just just I want just him to go get a little ego. I want him to get a little mean on occasion yeah. too, right? Where, where like he still feels like the kid who, if he knocks somebody down, he's gonna, he's gotta pick the guy up. It's like, knock him down and let his teammate get him. You know, well, you knock him down and you walk away. Now it doesn't need to be dirty, but a guy drives on you and you follow him at the rim and he goes down, just walk away from him, you know, but he's still, you know, the kid has got to be over there. Cause he's just, yeah, he's just a great and Again, you know. again, we all, we all love Jonathan Isaac death. He is just, he's, yeah. he's, <laughs> just, he's, he's, he's the real deal. Like uh, you see what he's doing in the community right yeah. now. That, that oh, is huge. Jonathan Isaac. Like he yeah. is. He is the real deal and, and yep. your basketball persona and your real life persona don't always have to have to match. Um, you know, but, you can be a nice guy and win in this league. I, 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 I don't mean to say that, but you know, hey, hey, I, I, just, I think, 
I think to succeed in the NBA, you, you got to have a little bit of self-inflated worth. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I'd like him to be the guy who every once in a while in one of those games, maybe it's a game against the Hornets next year where the Magic are, they're, they're up, you know, 10, 12 points, but Isaac is like, get me the ball. I'm going to make a play. Here. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to get, I don't think he understands how good he can be offensively. Exactly. Like, I really and, and I think I really it's don't. hard to, you know, to, to, we, we also need to remember, right. This kid's only what he's 22. He's not, he isn't even turned 23. He'll be 23 sometime before the start of next season. So, but the bigger thing in the roster construction is I just, I, I don't love the Vooch contract. I, you you know my feeling was give him big money for a year or two, but mm. fine. They gave him the deal. At least it's declining. It's not going to be awful. I think the Ross contract is fine because I think Ross is a guy who's going to be going to be fine. I think just what his game is. I think he could be that for the next five six years and just be be fine as that. I don't think he rely. I mean, at this point, he's just a shooter. You know, off the bench. It's not that he's still not athletic and can't do things, but but I, you know, I think his game's going to age quite well. So yeah, I I do I like all these pieces here. I just I feel like it's by the trade deadline next year, whenever that trade deadline is, you need to start looking at it as all right. Are we going to push in a little bit around the guys we got? If Bamba can't take over for Vooch, it's time to maybe move Bamba on and get in somebody who can help us now, someone who's maybe, you know, in that uh, mid to late 20s age range instead of the early 20s. Or or be willing to use Bamba as part of a bigger deal to get that guy. That's it, yeah. Or Or maybe that's in the offseason, not not at the deadline. Exactly. And those, I think, are the decision points really where you're looking. But I think other than 48's free agency, the rest of these decisions to me are they're, they're pretty cut and dry, right? I think we're in agreement. I would take MCW over DJ, you know, but he, if you went the other way, that's fine. It's your backup. You're not going to, yeah, the end yeah. of the world. It's going to change. I mean, if anything. you, draft, if, if, if you, if you bring in, if you keep DJ and draft the guy like, you know, like Theo Maladon to, to kind of fill yeah. in that kind of big point guard role, because Clifford likes having like three usable point yeah. guards. If you, if you yeah. end up using a draft pick on a point guard to replace yeah. one of those guys, that's, that's fine. I think that's actually, I don't. I don't think that's the craziest idea. There, there are some shooters I like in this draft that I think could step in and and help pretty quickly. But if but if you go that direction with the draft and then use your free agency capital to go get a, a wing shooter, yep. you know, to, to replace essentially what James Ennis is doing right now or replace what Wessa Wendu's been doing for you, because um, yep. I I don't know if I don't I don't know who, what the Magic are going to do on the on that free agent front. Um, I think yeah, the Wendu ones that uh, that to me probably is the hardest decision of all outside of how much do you offer Fournier. Um, because of Wendu, he's shown that he has value, but he's not. You're not going to go crazy. My keep, guess will be there is ways not to play him. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe with a Wendu, it's it's almost off from the qualifying offer. If he signs it, that's fine. You just delay that decision but, for uh, a year. But like at the same time, you've got Chumo Kiki. That's it. And that's exactly going to do the same say. thing. Yeah, yeah, he's your guy. That that's kind of your next guy that you're bringing in to be that backup, you know, forward there. You're you're bringing him in, you know, next season. And I think that's your depth. I think that's you know maybe you could keep Ennis on a cheap contract just for another shooter around. But I think I think it's you know I think unfortunately Melvin Frazier just math wise he's going to lose his spot because there's just you know he hasn't shown enough and you, you only have so many roster spots and the Magic aren't exactly flush with them. So I think he's probably going to be you know if if not before if they don't decline his team option certainly by the end of training camp i think you're you're replacing him because you've got to fit in a draft pick and you got to fit in okiki and that's you know the the difference there so i think it's going to be you know really kind of interesting to see how this team comes together and in the you know and then i think a guy like amino can really help these guys because i think if you if if unfortunately, if Isaac is going to be this guy who you're going to be, you're going to get 60 ish games a year out of him because Andrews, you need somebody for those other 20, 30 games. And I think that's where Aminu can really help. I know he got hurt this year, but that's a, that's kind of a new thing for him. We, we don't know where Isaac seems to be, unfortunately, developing a little bit of a, of a troublesome trend. So yeah. yeah I think, I think and the fortunate, the fortunate part with Isaac is the injuries aren't recurring. They aren't the same yeah. injury. It was Correct. ankle for his rookie, his yeah. rookie year. It was a freak knee injury. I mean, yeah, Bradley Beal doesn't awful. undercut him there. He's fine. Yeah. yeah and, that, and that was just, you know, crushing, but yeah, really kind of all comes down to what do you do with Fournier? How much money are you going to pay him this summer? Because that's, this is if they feel like all right, he's had a career year. He's really, you know, he's basically a twenty point per game guy now. We really feel that that this is who he's going to be for the next few years, and that's worth twenty five million dollars a year for the next four or five seasons. Now all of a sudden, it's 
it starts to look real tough for what you're going to be able to do over the you can't, next few you can't years. can't pay everyone. You're locking in. Yeah, that's it. Because you're already kind of locked in to this roster to an extent with Ross and Vooch. And that's, again, that's okay, you know. Um, but if you do that with Fournier, now you really got to start to look, all right, if you're going to make the improvement, then that means somebody's got to go out of the Gordon, Isaac, uh, Bomba grouping. Somebody has to go out of that group because that's the only way you're going to really be able to improve this team. playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day you know, obviously, this year's free agency was already very strange with not a lot of teams having cap room. Um, and, and I definitely think Fournier opting out of this contract would have been, you know, kind of to put pressure on the Magic to to yeah. go sign him. But with, you know, the salary cap looking like it's, you know, projected to decrease pretty significantly with what happened in China in, in October. And now with, you know, who knows what the NBA season looks like to end this year. So revenue's just going to completely drop and it's not clear how the NBA is going to bake that into their salary cap system. Does Evan Fournier actually opt out or does he kind of defer free agency for another year? You know, I've been wondering, I mean, that's kind of, the, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the $25 million question, <laughs> right? In, in a, yeah, very much, very, very much a real $25 million question. And you know, in a, in a regular year, that's the world I live in. I am always kind of only living in this year to some extent. I'm always kind of living in the next year and the future years. I think what you look at, if you're Evan Fournier, obviously if it becomes apocalyptic and the cap drops, you know, down to, you know, a hundred million, or something like that. His best decision is clearly to opt in, roll it over into the next year, and see where it all goes from there. If especially is, when more teams, especially when more teams have cap, correct. Like nobody yep. like if, if Fournier wants to be on a winning team, if, if that's important to him, yep. there's no one that has the money to do that this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, New York, maybe Atlanta does if they're not sold on Kevin Herter, which I, I don't think they are. I, yeah, I think, I think they are I, sold my on guess him, would but. be for them, they've got Herter, they've got uh, Reddish, they've got um, Hunter. That's kind of their young wing group there. I think they would rather go with them. Team, I kind of look at, there's two teams I kind of look at and say, eh, I could kind of squint and see Fournier making sense for either of those teams because I think it would help them. Is the Charlotte Hornets, I think he could help them quite yeah. a bit another wing score and then the other team uh, is it may sound a little odd but is the phoenix suns they've been kind of looking for yeah. that additional score alongside devin booker they they project right now to have pairing 20, with Ubre too you know 20 million dollars in cap spacious yeah and, and you've got Ubre and bridges can play the other forward spot you can drop fournier in there and can do some things those are the kind of teams i also could see being desperate enough to would, be able to pay him. would chicago would, would chicago be interested if they if yeah. they, I mean, Matt Lloyd being rumored to be general manager with them, like, sure. like, I think the only thing with Chicago is I think Otto Porter Jr. is going to clearly opt right. in and that's going to kind of scuttle any chance that they have of uh, cap space. So, you know, Miami's not going to go that route. I, 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 who knows with the Knicks? It's impossible to project anything that they do. If the Pistons really say, you know what, we need to turn this thing around quick around Blake, you could see them being a team that's, all right, we need to add scoring because that's really where we've struggled. You know, they could be a team that could add Fournier. You know, so those are the things I think you're looking at with him, but I think it's, that that's all assuming the cap comes in, even if it you know is dropped to this year's level, and that's what I think is probably most likely to happen is that that that's where the cap comes in at is right around this year's level because I think what they're going to do is they're going to make sure to almost artificially lock it there to avoid a massive cap spike down the line. Now it becomes questionable there with the Magic though. What gets really interesting is. They're only about $18.8 million under the tax. So that really starts to become a question of, geez, with this you don't, team. You don't, want to, you don't want to pay the tax for a, a seven seed. Like that's Correct. like, no. you pay, you pay no. the tax if you're winning a championship. You don't, exactly. you know, which the Magic did in 2010. But yep. you don't pay the tax for a team that's going to be a seven seed. That's like at the heart of this debate is the Magic yep. have to pay Isaac, they have to pay Fultz in a year. You yep. know, Bomba's going to come down the line. 
You yeah, that's it. You're starting to lock Fournier in too. Feels like the odd man out. Yeah, and that's why I think I think in a lot of ways for Orlando, what would be best is if it just he just stops in, and then you roll it over to next year and just see where it's at and deal with it then. Because by then you'll have a lot better idea on your younger players and all that. I just I just don't. He's right, it's right at that tipping point, right where I mean, not that seventeen million dollars isn't a lot, but a guy who's coming off a career year, nearly twenty point per game per. And in a normal summer, in a normal summer, he'd be looking at starting salary at at minimum 20. Yeah. 20 to 25, somewhere in that range, 20, 20 on a more uh, reasonable basis, 25 from a team that's maybe a little more desperate to add some help. So that's where, where I think it really is. He's right at that tipping point of, and it's not a no brainer to opt in, but it's also not a no brainer to opt out. I think that's where it really depends on where this cap lands at and, and ultimately what he's looking at in the future. And obviously, right. If, if the season does return and there's a playoffs and let's say he tears it up in the playoffs and is great, that increases the likelihood he opts out. If he comes back, the playoffs happen and he stinks you know but he's coming off a pretty good summer you know with the with um with, with um himself you know there so i just think all around it's looking like for evan fournier you know you're looking at a guy who you know we'll, we'll see that's just going to be you know that's maybe more so than almost any of these other options in the league the only other one that really is kind of kind of close tipping point wise for me well there's really kind of two is gordon hayward in boston does he opt out to look for a longer term deal? Does he take the thirty-four million? I think he's going to opt in and take thirty-four. Yeah, million. I think you take the thirty-four million. <laughs> yeah, but then I think the only other one that that really is a question question mark there, where I wonder is Demar Derozan because of his, you know, he doesn't seem real happy in San Antonio, but Fournier is right there. That one is, you know, one way or the other, and it could make a huge difference on how this goes. And I don't, you know, no one I know, hey, really has any good sense, and I think Fournier's done a pretty good job of keeping the cards to close to his his uh, best as well. I mean, and he's certainly done a good job playing and putting himself in a position to have this to deci- have a real decision to make. Um, you know, yeah, he's absolutely. he's he's doing a good job making his age, making his agent earn his keep. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because if he came in and stunk, it'd be very all right. He's going to opt in, and that's not even a question. Or, or even if, yeah, even if he played, played at like really last well. year as like career levels, like as just yeah. career average, it'd be like yeah. you know it, he could go either way. Like he could he could probably. I mean, the, my concern before the hiatus came in and, and really kind of put the cap in flux was. You know, if, if I were Evan Fournier, like I'd probably be entering this market as the top wing free agent. Like I honestly, I think he has more value than DeMar DeRozan at this point because of his three point shoot. Yeah, I um, would say that too. And and he's I think he's maybe at this point a bit not maybe, I think he definitely is better off the dribble than than DeRozan yeah, is too. Be. I think I think DeRozan is probably still the better mid range scorer when he can get to his spots. He's probably still better at finishing around the rim. But I think Fournier can do a lot of but things. You gotta he's put also the ball much of yeah, you got to put the ball in DeRozan's hands to do that. Correct. Fournier can play off the ball a little bit. Yeah. Like the complaint in Orlando is the Magic put him on the ball too much. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, yeah. He's just effective yeah. without the ball. Yeah, and I think that's just the function. That's of just they, the roster. They have to, right? They yeah. they don't have a lot of other. I mean, and if, and if anything, like, and if anything, like, I think, I, I like, I think one of the like kind of undercurrent storylines of the season was is Fultz caught them so much by surprise. Like they didn't. I don't think they expected Fultz to be this good. That it was too late in the season to dramatically shift the offense to a Fultz-centered offense rather than a Fournier-Vucevic-centered offense. And the Magic, instead of trying to like kind of reinvent themselves on the fly, because I don't think Clifford's that kind of guy. Like I think Clifford is very much a, let's go with what works. You know, like I, I, I've tested this out. I, I can trust it. He's not going to throw something out there that he doesn't completely trust unless he has to. So like, you know, a, a lot of Magic fans like to say, oh, the Magic are so much better than with without Fournier, you know, they're 4-0 without Fournier, they beat the Rockets, you know, they beat the Grizzlies without him. They, they don't they don't need him. And I'm just like, you know, like, yes, I agree, Fournier tends to slow the ball down because that's more his style, but I think he can play in a Fultz-centered offense really effectively too. And and just the, it's a matter of the Magic just didn't, I don't think the Magic, I don't think Clifford had enough time to build enough trust in trusting essentially a rookie to run the entire offense from start yeah. to finish of a season. And, and I think if Fultz comes back and is a, you know, even slightly improved shooter where he's like kind of in that low to, you know, low 30% range from three, that makes it even easier for Fournier to play with him because now Fultz can play off him. So, I mean, he's not a complete, you know, zero, don't have to guard him out there type of thing. So I think that starts to change things quite a bit too. But yeah, it's, it really is interesting. It's, it's, there's no clear direction. I can't say, you know, yeah, clearly I would, you know, freak out if they maxed him or anything like that, but oh, I know yeah, yeah, Wolf, sure. Wolf and Hammond aren't going to do that. That's not, you know, that's not their, their MO. You know, I think they're going to make 
make it tough. And it wouldn't surprise me if ultimately if he signs something that looks a lot like the deal Vooch signed, where it's not quite as much money, probably a little bit less than that, but where it's declining over, you know, a three or four year window. And that allows them to kind of retain him as a trade asset as things move forward. That seems to be something that they want to do going back to how they signed Gordon, then how they signed both Vooch and Ross. That seems to be, you know, moving as a cap guy. Those are the ones I really love. I think that that is, um, you know, really, really solid. You, you make that really smart to, you know, move those things down. Yeah. And, and, and I, I do think that this, this magic team, you know, certainly after six years lost in the wilderness of rebuild, I think they do really value the playoffs. Um, I, I think that they don't want to see the team necessarily take a step back. Like, are, are they happy to be the seventh seed again this year? No, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're happy about it. I think there are humongous questions to ask about the future of this team and where they go next. But I do think they don't mind growing from the middle. Uh, you know, I think uh, around NBA circles, certainly on NBA Twitter, there is a championship or bust mentality. And if yeah. you're not competing for a championship, you should be tanking for picks. And I, I think Weltman and Hammond are trying to map a different road because I, I, I don't think the tanking works. Like I, I, we saw it in Orlando for six years. I don't think tanking works. Like Phil, you can say you can say Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia got their guys. Well, I'm like, yes, they got Embiid. Yes, they got Simmons. That took winning. That took winning the lottery once, and then lucking into the third pick in a draft where there were three legitimately top end guys. Yeah. Um, you, you can't rely on that luck. And so I, I, I think like a team like the Magic is trying to map out something of a middle road. I, I, honestly, and I don't think they should necessarily do it this way, but I think this is kind of what they're building. They're kind of building like the Heat did, where you know they they had a nice little run in the in the low end of the playoffs. Um, they go out and re-sign Goran Dragic. They re-sign Josh Richardson. They re-sign Tyler Johnson to big contracts. They re-sign James Johnson to a big contract. To like middling contracts, but big for them. And, you know, they're kind of stuck with the roster they have, but they have, but they're competitive enough and they have a man the maneuverability for when the big fish becomes available, they can make the moves to go get him. And, yeah, and, yeah. and I think it works in Miami because they're Miami. Because yeah. A, it's Miami, Florida. B, Pat Riley. B, their history. I don't know if that works in Orlando. But it seems to me that's what Orlando's doing. And so it wouldn't surprise me if the Magic re-signed Evan Fournier to like a three-year, 60-something million dollar contract just to retain the asset and kind of keep their spot in line almost. It, it's risky for sure because you get, you get stuck in cap hell pretty quickly and you're spending a lot of money on a bad team, on a team that's kind of in the middle. But you do have the ability to go out and get the guys that you want when they become available because you, you have the assets to, available. Yeah, and that's just the balance that that uh, Wiltman and Hammond and them entire front office are tasked with is how much do we believe this team will improve and is it worth it to keep getting this particular group to the playoffs because we think that they can continue to be good or do we think that this group maybe has take us as far as we can and then then you know from there we figure it out so it's you know that that's those are the tough things right you always have to look at that and say all right, you got to figure it out because these are the questions that, that everybody's asking. And that's, you know, unfortunately, is, uh, as funny as it sounds is that's what they're paid to do, right? Is uh, that's, that's why they're paid the big bucks is to make those tough calls and really figure those things out. I, the, the, I think the last question to address at, at, this, at this juncture, I mean, it's obviously the offseason isn't even here yet, but, but we're already yeah. starting to think a little bit about it because we, we don't know if we've seen basketball for the last time in 2020. Um, if Evan Fournier leaves... If the Magic let Evan Fournier walk, what options do the Magic have available to them? Like uh, as far as like kind of, you know, if if you have it handy, if not, don't worry. Yeah, uh, what no. Kind of options handy, yeah. What options do the Magic have to to replace what he does for them, or or to find kind of a starter quality guy to kind of keep again keep their place in line as a playoff team? Yeah. So this is what's tough, right? The um, the free agent class stinks. But the only place where it does have some value is with wings. Um, there's actually some decent wings out there, some guys who are a little bit more on the veteran side that I think you could look at and say, all right, I could, you know, kind of see that guy at least, you know, presenting some of what, what Fournier did. Now for the Magic, they're not going to have a ton of cap space, even if Fournier goes. That's just not how it works. They're going to be an over-the-cap team no matter what. Um, so they're going to be, you know, looking at the mid-level exception. Let's be positive and say the cap comes in somewhere around where it is now. So you're talking nine-ish million or so. Um, for Essentially, Alfred Camino's contract. 
Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a perfect example there. So let's call it, you know, nine million or so. Well, the good news is you should be able to get a pretty decent player for that nine million. You've got guys that should be on the market. Guys like Pat Connaughton could be pretty good. Um, you could make a run at a restricted free agent like Malik Beasley if it's nine million. They're all clearly going to match that. I don't think they. Yeah, I think they'll but, match that. <laughs> yeah, but but I think you know Pat Connaughton could be good for them. Um, in that role, you get a guy like Bryn Forbes. He's smaller, but he's a shooter. Um, would really help there. Justin Holiday, a cheaper guy. Um as a free agent if you want to go with a little bit of a bigger wing you've got guys like jay crowder maurice harkless um that'd be kind of funny bringing that full circle um you know there um you've got got veteran guys like kent Bazemore um out there that you could could do something with if you were looking to do something there it's it's tough and i think that kind of gives you almost to a sense of yeah, maybe we really do need to look at resigning Fournier because none of these guys are a real perfect option. I think maybe the guy like most of that whole group is Pat Connaughton and find out like, all right, what can this guy do with more money? But I also don't know that the magic are at a point where I really want to be experimenting on, hey, let's throw nine million at Pat Connaughton and hope for the best. You know, then you got guys like Alec Burks who, who are deeper veteran. We talked about him a lot in the first part of the show. Courtney Lee is out there as a much deeper veteran. You've got some of the defensive minded guys like Andre Robertson will be a free agent if you think he can get him healthy, bring him back, Trevion Graham, um, those kind of guys, Tabo Cephalosha. Um, so that's really where you're kind of looking at that point because there's just there's nothing super great out there. Maybe Chris Dunn if he gets cut loose as a uh, as a free agent, but that gives you that's gonna really kind of compound your shooting issues that you have there now you've got you know kind of a group of all questionable shooters that you're a little bit worried about so there's just not anybody out there that stands out like that's the guy go do that now trade market that could could go in any number of different directions so we won't even start going down that route but there there's options just none of them are great yeah and i and i think you know I do think the Magic have some potential options in the draft because essentially, like, if Fournier were to leave, I would imagine that the Magic's closing lineup would just be would be uh, would be Ross still coming off the bench. I think the Magic really like Ross coming off the bench. I know yeah. a lot of fans are like, "Why doesn't he start? Why doesn't he start? Why doesn't he start?" And it's like, no, like the bench is the perfect role for him. That's where they want him. But he yeah. still finishes games. Like even now, he finishes games. He finishes yeah. games over Jonathan Isaac. And so I think. Like what the Magic could potentially do again if they let if they've decided to let Fournier walk, because obviously they have to make this decision before free agency, most likely. Um, they could draft a, a guard in the draft that they feel can step in and play immediately. That's a risk in and of itself. Um, and a guy, you know, maybe like a Devin Vassell or um, or uh, 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 Aaron Neesmith from from Vanderbilt, yeah. uh, play him kind of as a, a, a floor spacer in the starting lineup. Just keep his role really small and simple. And finish games with Terrence Ross and Jonathan Isaac as your two as your two essentially wing players with Ross still coming off the bench. I mean, that has its own risk because you, you never really know with rookies if they're ready to play bigger roles. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Magic will probably be targeting a, a, a rookie who can help them immediately if they if they keep the pick. I, I still think there's certainly the possibility the Magic look to you look at package that pick to go get a veteran to help them out a little bit more. Um, you know, this is a weird draft. I think uh, you know top of the draft isn't exciting, but I think there's a lot of interesting players in the middle of the draft, right around where the Magic are picking. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I think the Magic do have some options, but, you know, certainly not as certain as it would be if they had Evan Fournier. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I think when you look at it, Fournier's certainty of you, even if he's not as good as he has been this year, if he goes back to where he normally is, you still feel pretty good about that. It's just you, you how much are you willing to pay you know, to, to make that kind of gamble that that's what you're going to get. And that's where, where it's, where it really becomes, again, that's that question mark of, all right, well, I don't love what's out there. I don't love this draft. I don't love uh, the free agent guys. The trade market looks a little, yeah, you know, I might, you know, might be the best bet is to resign Fournier, roll it over and then just kind of deal with it later on down the line and see what it looks like. Cause one thing we've seen year and year and year out is no contract is truly untradeable almost no matter how bad it is. And the Magic don't have any that are so bad. They're sitting there like, oh, good Lord. They're, they're I mean, I, honestly, Aminu is probably the worst contract on the team at the moment. And that's because uh, yeah. he's been injured all year. Yeah, yeah, that might be right. Um, you know, I think you could still make a case that maybe is Vooch just because of the cause of the fact that runs out 20 yeah, plus early in over four years. But but yeah, for more in the immediate, yeah, it's probably Amino. I, I think there's a chance that Fournier could replace those pretty quickly yeah. if they go crazy. But I just, I have faith in this front office that they're not going to. I think Vooch was, people I think are looking into the Vooch decision of, 
they gave Vooch a hundred million dollars over four years. Well, I think there were two things that had to happen. There was one, you were at a point where you just made the playoffs for the first time in forever. You can't, you couldn't let, he just made the all-star team. You let him walk again. You have, even if it was the right decision, you're going to have a lot of fans who are going to make, oh, that's it. We lost another all-star center. Even if they didn't, even if that was the right move. And the reality is $25 million a year. And it finishes at 22. That was the best part that they did, that they front loaded it. And it steps all the way down to 22 million. 22 million for Vooch in a few years when he's in his, you know, early 30s still. He should be fine. I'm not too worried yeah. about that one. And it's, and it's not it's not just that too. Like I, I think a lot of a lot of fans don't understand how interconnected the NBA world is. Mm-hmm. Like if you go out and you resign Nicole Vooch, honestly, if you go out and resign Evan Fournier and you show the rest of the league, like, hey, you put in your time with us, you yeah. helped us win, we're gonna take care of you. Like, yes, there might be business decisions down the line, but we're we're gonna take care of you if you play hard for us. Like. To a future free agent, like I, I think that matters. Like I think that 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 kind of does. statement comes back around for you. Yeah, like, and Orlando people, is starting to get. Sorry to interrupt you, but Orlando is starting to get that rep of they're just moving guys on to the next, to the next, to the next because that's what they did with Tobias Harris. That's what they did. Yep. Really, they did that with JJ Redick to Tobias Harris to um, Victor Oladipo. to Jameer Nelson. Like the way you they know, treated Jameer, yeah. like was not yeah, good. Like, there, like yeah. I don't think I don't yep. think I don't think it's fully come out. Jameer, like Jameer, I, from from what I've read and what I understand, Jameer Nelson felt like he could still play and yep. still start. And Rob Hennigan essentially said, "We don't view you as a starter anymore." Yeah. And this is a guy that's been with the franchise for ten years. He's one of the mm-hmm. most beloved players in Magic history. And that disconnect, you know, I think really hurt the reputation of the team because Jameer is certainly a guy that is well known around the league. Like you still see him chatting with with guys on Twitter, and and he's like very, I mean, he's very in with the Philadelphia with the Philadelphia basketball scene for sure. Yep. that's still a guy that has a lot of connections around the league and, 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 and treating him, treating him wrong, treating those veterans wrong, gets around to agents, gets around to other players. And all of a sudden they don't view Orlando as a, as a viable option for them or only as a last resort option, or they're just paying me obscenely more than everyone else option. And that's not what you want. No. And that's why it was really important when Jeff Waltman a couple of years ago went out and signed a couple of veterans like Aaron Aflalo and Maurice Spates who had been around in the NBA because it just showed veterans want to come to Orlando. And it wasn't just, Hey, this is my only shot. Cause those guys had other offers. They, it was really an opportunity to say, you know, I want to come here. Now, neither one of them was huge. Didn't amount to much for the magic. Wasn't big, but the idea there was we want to get some guys who want to be here and guys who can show that because we're trying to shed this reputation of we're just constantly rotating through. It's a revolving door of a roster where we're just constantly chasing the next big thing and we're never really getting there. And that's why you were never getting there because you weren't keeping anything long enough. feels like now they're finally keeping this group around together long enough to kind of give it a window of about probably three, four years really want to find out what this this team kind of develops into and let's go from there and i think that's that's the plan and i think so far they're sticking to it which they further lends to me to believe they're going to keep evan fournier around because they got evan fournier kind of off the scrap heap a little bit from the nuggets when the nuggets didn't really care he's just kind of a throw-in at that draft and then that turned into fournier's turned into a pretty good player now and i think from orlando's standpoint it's there and then it's it's super minor but the other thing you want to build in is there's an international connection there too there's a lot of people in France who are watching the Magic who really would care. Do you have no care for the Orlando Magic at all? Because it would just wouldn't mean anything. But because they've got Fournier, there's a reason for them to watch. He's become a you know he's a very uh, sociable guy. He's very active on social media. Very active um, out there, just kind of in the world. And I think that makes a difference too. You're not spending a lot of extra money on that. But if there's a little bit of bump there that gives you a little bit of push overseas, why not? Because you're certainly not going to hurt from that at all. Yeah, and, and I mean I think. I think like all these decisions are okay. Uh, And I say this all the time, like the big thing for a team like the magic is you're not, you're not stuck. If you have a way forward, if you have a Mm -hmm. way to keep getting better. And, you know, I I think the magic really believe it's important to have a high floor. Like they, they don't want to drop all the way down to the bottom. Like if, if they happen to have like a, just a disastrous season where everyone gets hurt and they end up with the top pick fine, but that's just a one-year deal. They're not, it's not an overall strategy. The idea right now is have a high enough floor that you're in the playoffs, that you're competing for something real, something minor, but something real. And then have a way to get better from there with Jonathan Isaac, with Markel Fultz, with Mo Bamba, with Aaron Gordon. 
as long as those guys keep developing and, and showing signs that they can get better, I think the Magic are okay being at the bottom of the playoffs for a little while. At some point, obviously, they got to pay those guys. They got to prove what they're worth. Yeah. But they're okay being a 6-7 seed once again because yeah. they believe those guys can help them get to 5-4, and then eventually they can make the move to get them to 3 2 one. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. My thanks to Keith Smith for joining us on the show for the last two nights. You can, of course, of course, just listen to us talking about the Orlando Magic. This year, you can go back to yesterday's podcast and hear us talk about the 2010 Orlando Magic and what made that team uh, so memorable in Magic history and what went wrong as they ultimately fell short of their goal to win a championship. Be sure to follow Keith on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA and also check out his work at Yahoo Sports and NBC Sports 2. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on uh, on uh, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Don't forget to check out the latest episode of the Rejecting the Screen podcast. On the last episode, uh, Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov talk about the great horse competition that we saw on Sunday as the NBA is trying to pass the time and give us a little bit of entertainment to get us through these dark, dark days without basketball. Check out Rejecting the Screen wherever you download podcasts today. But that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Keith Smith, for Orlando Magic Daily, this has been Philip Ross and Wright. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of the Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.